Father Tom is undefeated. It's going to hit Tom Brady eventually, too. It might be this year. Hopefully it's this year. And Matt LaFleur went to both of them and said, hey, remember that play you drew up on notebook paper on Thursday? Yeah, run it now. Like, that's the thing that's kind of tripping me up here. We've been clowning Kyrie Irving and his behavior for the past five years. I feel like I just got a point, like on a show or something. <laughs> Three, two, one. Kersville, you've got state champions coming back home. The East Forsyth Eagles have just won Class 4A state championship. On the line with NASCAR superstar Bubba Wallace. Bubba, what type of music are you listening to right now? Do you listen to anything in particular to get you hyped before a race? Uh, I'm in like the heavy metal stuff, like the screamo stuff, stuff you can't understand. <laughs> that's, that's right up my alley. Tie game at 41. Murray takes the snap. Fade, right corner of the end zone for Timmons. He oh bobbled it and then holding it in in the right corner of the end zone. Darrell Timmons Jr. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. Charlotte out of timeout. Second and third, one out in the second and didn't score. Smith corks one in the right down the line. It may go. Go crazy, folks. Go crazy. It's a home run, and the Cardinals have won the game. Welcome to the score. Here's your host, Brett Watson. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined by the two biggest and most rational Tar Heel fans I know, Christian Emery and our producer Desmond Johnson. Alex Wilber will be joining us later on in the program. But uh, Christian, since you're on down that way, uh, after Saturday night, I understand you spent some time on good old Franklin Street and... Uh, have a, a, a treasure, a trophy of some kind to share with us on, we'll call it show and tell, I guess. Air quotes. Well, yeah, well, uh, one second. <clears throat> Sorry about that. Been back, I've kind of lost my voice a little bit on Saturday, so as you can probably expect. He's still recovering. Yeah. Six days later. Well, it was. it's a combination of how bad the pollen is over here and all that. Oh, stuff. yes, yes. So, Tell me all about that. <laughs> but... Well, I mean, I could, but that's a waste of a segment. Anyway. Yeah, no, that's <laughs> but that sounds like something that would happen on your main station. I'm not. I'm not gonna. Say <laughs> We're not gonna talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> um, but yeah, the uh, the headline. This was this the Daily Tar Heel. Um, uh, let's see. There we go. It's just a picture of R.J. Davis and Caleb Love. Pretty much, it's saying that this team proved a lot of people wrong, myself included, admittedly. Um, I thought they were a Sweet 16 team at best, and, well, Domino's There are a lot of people at one point that didn't even think that, didn't think they'd make the tournament. So, yeah, fair enough. you talk about defying expectations. Um, Dez, Christian, 
What does it mean to you? We'll talk about Monday in a second. Let's talk about Saturday. What does it mean to you? And I did not know this historical fact until Jim Nance brought it up on the broadcast. That Coach K's first loss ever was to North Carolina. His last loss ever, we think, whatever, regardless of whatever Jay Williams decides to say, uh, um, and I'm not putting any stock in the, oh, he might come back. I, I don't know. It's that got He's not Tom back. Brady. Yeah. That got squashed he, that, by Coach K himself yesterday. So that, yes. That's no, we're, we're not. We're not buying into that. Nope. No. 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 Nope. That's 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 clickbait right there from somebody who, frankly, doesn't deserve to be on radio in the mornings. But, anyways, um, neither does Keyshawn. Wow. <laughs> two of the three two two of the three on that show don't have any place on being on that show. Period. I don't mind Keyshawn. I don't mind Keyshawn. Keyshawn's Jay, okay. I mean, he's from Duke, but yeah. I, I don't like Jay's attachment to LeBron James and this whole he's the greatest of all time thing and his reasons for it. That's oh, that's my I, main that's my main problem. Like yeah. put him on get up to have, have be blasphemous and then Pat McAfee can run on there and flame him for a little bit. But um also we'll talk about briefly WrestleMania. Pat McAfee got back braced. Wasn't um, bad. Whole show wasn't bad. I, I was mad that they did it two nights, uh, like they have the past couple of years with it being Final Four weekend. And yeah. I'm sure if they could do it over again, they probably would have tried to figure out a way to squash it all into a Sunday. They but, probably could. I'm sure they could have done it Friday, Sunday. Well, they have SmackDown on Friday. So that's right. That's they, right. They yeah. had to do it yeah, yeah. the way they did it. But um, shows you how much I know. So your your question was yes, uh, yes. Saturday. Sorry. Saturday. What did it mean to you guys? to hand Coach K his last loss, and in, in effect, everything comes full circle. Well, for starters, for for the ABCers that are out there that think that Carolina fans are just celebrating the fact that they won the Final Four and that we're propping it up as bigger than a national championship win over Kansas, I'm here to let people know that is not true. <laughs> like we, Of course we wanted to win the national championship. That's why we were there in the first place. We weren't there just to beat Duke. Like, it's almost arrogance from the Duke fans that they put it out there that, uh, oh, well, that was your national championship on Saturday. Or, you know, knowing full well that they would have been acting the same way on Sunday if they had won that game on Saturday night. They're just envious they, they didn't win. Uh, somebody's got their TV on. Somebody's got their TV on. Christian, is your TV on? Oh, yeah. Let me. Um... Okay, yeah, my there's a, another call going on um, in the room behind me, but let me uh, let me relocate really quick. But you guys can okay. Talking, so while while that's oh, happening, Des. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, uh, <laughs> uh, but no, I honestly, I think the win Saturday. If it had been if Carolina had beaten any other team in the Final Four and then lost to Kansas, I think a lot of Carolina fans would feel a lot sicker this week because of the, right. the loss. Right. But due to the fact that they beat K in his last game, beat Duke, this team that was hyped up all year, um, their biggest rival, the fact that they did that Saturday in the manner they did it, it made it where, uh, for me, it made it made Monday a little bit easier to swallow. Um, again, of course, we're upset we didn't get a chance to win it. They had a chance to tie it, but four seconds to go after uh, – it, it literally looked like soldiers getting shot down, like – <laughs> Most of the team for Carolina, like between Big it did. Caleb Love rolled his ankle twice. Brady Manick probably had a concussion uh, after that first hit to the face. He got hit, if in the face not anything head. else. Puff I mean, he got hit in the face what two or three times in that first half alone. Yeah, 
he got hit twice. The first time was super hard, an elbow. From, oh yeah, uh, elbow right to the right to the forehead. Yeah, yeah, but like, he got him like right in the bridge of the nose. Yeah, and, uh, it was it wasn't intentional by any means. It was a basketball no. play, but no, that still hurts. Pup Johnson's out there vomiting on the court because he got hit in the stomach. Like I mean, it yep. literally. And then the, the 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 true sign of this Carolina team from the the Wake Forest blowout loss to now. Uh, was symbolic in Andrew and uh, uh, Armando Baycott when he rolled his ankle. Yep. At the very end, and hopped back down the court on one leg just to get back on defense before the ref stopped the play. That was symbolic of Carolina this year. Like this team, like, like this team kind of grew on people. And yeah, they're only like six people deep, but uh, to get to where they did, and now Hubert's getting the flowers. He's winning like all these National Coach of the Year awards this week and all these other things, and it's well deserved. It sounds like he made the biggest impression uh, down there at the Final Four of all the coaches that were there, and he's the one with the least experience. So, yep. you're a Carolina fan. I think we all kind of look at it like the future's really bright, and uh, I know we're really proud of these kids and Hubert, and we're okay. Everybody thinks we're like you know moping around, but really, I think we're all right. I think we're, I think we're fine. And that that's what we said going into this, right? Was Hubert Davis had a chance to make a statement to cement himself among an elite guard of coaches. And he went up against three of the most elite in all of college basketball. He and helped end, of course, players on the court had a lot to do with it too, helped end Coach K's, you know, so-called last dance. Uh, by the way, Kansas now has four national titles. It's only one short of the level one NCAA violations they're currently being accused of. That would be five. Um, so keep an eye on that going forward. Do you think Emmert did that on purpose on the stage, calling him the Kansas? Oh, City the Jail? Kansas City Jail. Yes, one hundred percent. Knowing Mark Emmert, he did in that my, on purpose. In my drunken haze at the end of that game, I perked. I was like, Kansas, Kansas City. City. Did he say that right? Did I hear that right? But uh, no, I, I mean honestly, I feel like uh, with Hubert and the job he did this year with his team. And now the future looks crazy bright for Carolina. I mean, we haven't even talked about the national championship game in depth yep. yet, but it, I'm I'm in the camp of pretty much everyone's coming back. Yep. Um, yeah. But Baycott and uh, Love Love is listed as a second round pick right now. Uh, Baycott. I, I don't think any of those guys could improve their draft stock more than they already have, and if they don't yep. come back, is what I'm getting at. If right. they enter. If, if they come back for another year, they have a much better opportunity to move up on the board than they than they do right now. Because as we said, they only showed flashes at certain times. Right. Now they have the potential, they have the confidence to come back and put together a full dominant season. Yeah, like look, the, the case of Armando Baycott. Uh, Baycott has not, because everyone's like, oh, what else is there left for him to do? He, Ty David Robinson's double double record. He broke Tim Duncan's ACC. He wasn't a hundred percent for the national championship game. Right. There's a, there's a lot he could do. He could they yeah. could run it back. Basically, a, a, a sequel to 2016, 2017, uh, where they got there, fell short at the end. They decide to all come back the following year. It's pretty much a business trip the entire year. Um, Baycott has an opportunity to basically duplicate Bryce Johnson's senior year. Yeah. Uh, Bryce Johnson is the same trajectory where Bryce, by the time he got to senior year. By the time it was over, he was first team All American, first team All ACC. I think he won ACC Player of the Year. Uh, I think uh, Michael Brogdon won it that year, but could be wrong. Oh well, he should have. Oh, that <laughs> he should have. That, was the, that yeah. was the year where Bryce did the that forty one point 
25 rebound against Florida State, was, yeah. Florida State. Yeah. And Baycott had something similar to that this year. Um, he could definitely improve his jump shooting, things that he's going to need when he gets to the next level. But he could, which would be better? Would it be better for him to leave now and spend next year in the G League pretty much and maybe never even get to a main roster and stick there for a while for a couple of years? Or stay at Carolina with the NL, the NIL department that they have built that's attached to their brand so Baycott can go out and get money senior year and yep. use the Carolina logo. Like not a lot of schools even yep. have this in place. Right. Uh, do all that. Get all these awards. Put your he the number one thing he wanted to do was get his number in the banner. I mean in the uh in the rafters. The, the rafters. Yeah. And to do that at Carolina, you have to hit some very specific things in order to qualify to get up there. One of them is uh final foremost out, outstanding player, one's team all ACC, one is uh first team all American. Those goals are still there for him. Same for Caleb Love. Like Caleb Love <clears> literally could come back and increase his stock to the point where he's a you know a top fifteen pick next year as a junior. I mean that's what uh, Justin Jackson did. Yeah. Yep. Same type scenario. You know this, that's what Cam Johnson did. And I feel like it's the same way. Plus you've got four four star recruits coming in, so you'll get some reinforcements. Puff Johnson will be a junior. Dontre Styles will be a, a sophomore. I think Kerwin Walton might transfer out. Uh, I mean they're still in the running. They're still in the running for. Um... Gigi Jackson, who would help a lot too. Yeah, that's class of 2023. Um, and apparently he was there um, at the Final Four um, and was hanging out with the Carolina guys. I think they've taken the lead for him, uh, especially because Duke was trying to recruit him uh, and he was high on their list as well. But their top recruiter just left for Louisville and Nolan Smith. So, and he found yep. that out at the Final Four, according to what I've been told. So he wasn't even, he, like, he found out before it was officially announced on Monday. So that might have swung it towards Carolina's favor. We'll find out about that. But future's really bright. I had a great weekend. Uh, Duke fans just basically disappeared from social media. <laughs> like, they just <laughs> like, they literally just – they didn't say goodbye. Like, I have uh, some, pretty, some pretty prominent, like, well-known people that are Duke fans that are in my friends list. And a couple of them was kind of offended because they blocked me. Like they literally, I woke up the next morning and I was like, wow, okay. I can't find them anywhere. Like, what's going on here now? Wow. And I was like, yo, did such and such block me? He's like, cope, cope harder. Crazy. Good <laughs> lord. We didn't even talk a lot of smack this week. Like, I don't know. It's yeah. crazy to me, but these Duke fans are hurting. If anything, it was the most respectful Carolina Duke matchup I've ever seen yeah. because it was almost like both fan bases. Good. It was almost like both fan bases were super appreciative of the opportunity that, hey, we get to showcase this on, like, the biggest stage ever. That's and exactly then, what it felt like, yeah. It felt yeah. like we were so proud to be a part of it and to show the world, hey, this is why we consider this the greatest rivalry in sports. Yeah. And they got This it. is like, why we freak out about this, you know. That might have been the best Duke Carolina game, period, yeah. since I've been yeah. alive. Uh, what was it, 17, uh, 18 wow. lead changes, I think, and four yeah. or five of which took place in the last minute? Um, shot after shot. That was a, I mean, a true, a true classic, true classic college basketball game. It, Regardless it of whether it was the, Carolina or Duke, I mean, it, it reminded it, me it, of the uh, the twenty nineteen ACC semifinal with Zion. Yep, yep. Those guys when Zion finally played them, and people kind of thought yep. that was the top game. I think this top that, which is yep. amazing. Yep, and that that's a hard bar to reach, right? And it's very rare, regardless of who's playing in the game, that we get that classic of a game in the final four. Number one, it doesn't seem to happen all that often. Number two, 
it is very rare that a game with the hype and the buildup and the suspense surrounding it that Carolina Duke had, that it lives up to that, not only lives up to it, but it exceeds it in every way possible. And that's exactly what happened. We'll take a break here and we'll dive into uh, Monday night a little bit deeper when we come back. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. TRSR Triad Hot Deals, the top deals on sports tickets, dining, and fun in the triad. Visit TRSRTriadHotDeals.com right now and sign up to get the best area deals in the triad every week. Powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio and SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. This month, save big on Carolina Cobra's season tickets. Go to seven home games this season for only $45. That's an $80 value. Buy your 2022 season ticket package now with this exclusive deal from Triad Hot Deals. Visit trsrtriadhotdeals.com. Visit the sports tab and secure your package. Limited number available. That's trsrtriadhotdeals.com. Blue Naples Pizzeria in Kernersville is now hiring. Come work for one of the best Italian restaurants in the triad. Currently hiring dishwashers, cooks, front cashiers, and more. Great hours, great pay. Give them a call at 336-993-7707 or stop by and inquire at 1519 Union Cross Road in Kernersville. Start working this week. Blue Naples Pizza. Kim Source Direct is a single source supplier. In business since 2007, they have over 80,000 products for customers just like you. Located in the heart of North Carolina, they supply cleaning products all throughout the Southeast. Whether you're a commercial business, office, or municipal building, looking for wholesale cleaning products, chemicals, cleaning equipment, or service, they've got you covered. Please reach out and start saving money today. Stop by their store open to the public and save. Kim Source Direct, 1207 South Park Drive in Kernersville. Give them a call at 336-515-9990. Order from the website at kimsourcedirect.com. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair, now with three locations across the triad in High Point, Greensboro, and our new location in Kernersville. Beamer Tire and Auto offers full-service auto repair all tire brands, free alignment checks, oil changes, and more. In Kernersville, check out the no-appointment-needed Quick Lube Shop. Check out their thousands of five-star ratings via Google and Yelp. They care because they know that you can go anywhere. So try a shop with a beating heart, not a bottom line. Beamer Tire and Auto Repair. Visit us on Facebook or at BeamerTire.com. Area softball stars. Register for the Diamond Star Softball Transfer Portal Showcase June 14th and 15th at Bob Lewis Park in Asheville, North Carolina. This showcase is for any player currently in the transfer portal or any JUCO player. Get the opportunity to showcase your skills in front of college coaches from all levels. Over the two-day event, players participate in evaluations such as softball skills and metrics by college sports evaluations, drill and team practice participation, and playing in three games. For more information, visit DiamondStarEvents.net or email Coach Ben McKinney at bmckinney at DiamondStarEvents.net. Maylor Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture, located at 205 North Cherry Street in Kernersville, is your family chiropractor. Dr. Maylor's goal is to treat and correct the underlying cause of patient symptoms to alleviate pain and to restore balance. Maylor Chiropractic treats pain, sports injuries, injuries from auto accidents, and much more. Start performing to the best of your ability pain-free. Give them a call and set your appointment today at 336-996-3737. Maylor Chiropractic in Kernersville. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. 
Welcome back here to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on Tobacco Road Sports Radio. TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined by Christian Emery, our producer Desmond Johnson. And welcome to the program, Alex Wober, as we continue to talk Final Four uh, fallout, as you see it there on the bottom of your screen. Um, fellas, let's talk about Monday night. Obviously, first half went exactly as you wanted it to. Um, but as has been the case all year, um, Kansas, a second-half team, did exactly... We saw it most notably prior to in the Miami game when they were down, I think, 15 or 16 at halftime and then outscored them 45-17 to 17 in the second half, I believe it was. So we'd seen this before, and we'd seen it in a few of the conference games as well. Um, the game that preceded Carolina Duke on ESPN that went into overtime... I think Kansas was down double digits late at that point, in, late in that game at, at, at a later point in the second half. Um, so we'd seen it before. We thought we would see it again. Um, to that degree, I don't think we did. But here, here, here's my takeaway. Um, I'm not entirely sure because I didn't watch it from your perspective exactly what Carolina did wrong as much as I saw what Kansas did right. Um, so I want to hear from you guys um, exactly what you think Carolina's faults were because I kind of saw and know what Kansas did right. They were smothering on the defensive end. They finally got going shooting-wise, um, but they had to be smothering defensively to get back into that game. Their pressure seemed like it really bothered North Carolina and it seemed like Carolina got frazzled on a lot of offensive possessions. But I want to hear from you guys what you think was was the difference there in that second half. Christian, you, Chris, you go first. Okay. Uh, I think the main key for the entire second half was, like you said, Brett, Kansas just did what they did the entire tournament. Uh, they stepped up their defensive intensity probably at they stepped up their defensive intensity a lot. And I think when you do that against a team like UNC, who only plays five guys, they got – they caught they got leaky black in foul trouble and that really uh impacted you impacted the way that they played because as much as well as Mondo was playing he couldn't afford to um foul out because he knows how he probably knows how important he is to the team and then he did a good job getting Kansas's uh two their two bigs uh I don't remember the names off the top of my head getting them in foul trouble but at the same time he took that risk too and his ankle obviously was his ankle was bothering him. You could tell more so the last five or seven minutes of the game than it was at the start. Yeah, I, you know, thinking back on that game, honestly, I don't. I think it just came down to Carolina just ran out of gas. Um, I didn't think that the Duke Carolina game on Saturday would have really affected whoever won on Monday as much as people were making it out to be, but. Uh, Carolina doesn't have any depth. They didn't have any depth all year, so we kind of already knew that, especially the second half of the season. And if I'm not mistaken, I think Puff was the only person that came in off the bench. Justin McCoy got in for a little bit. Um, but, yeah, just uh, the last five minutes of that game, it felt like they were just kind of gasping for air. Uh, that last play was a good example of it. With uh, Brady Manick would have been open over on the side. The, the play was drawn up for him. It was a baseline screen. And he just simply stumbled. He stumbled trying to get there. You could see him. It took all of his energy to stop from stumbling just to turn around and stand up. He pretty much played the entire game, probably with the concussion. So, I mean, 
it just they just they just got tired. <laughs> I mean, it's simply put, I don't think Huber got out coached. Um, hell, they had a chance to tie the game with four seconds to go. They got up on this Kansas team by 16 at one point in the first half. And I felt like at the half, uh, normally if they're up like that, I'm like, okay, we're pretty good. This was the first game in about a month and a half where I kind of looked at the score at halftime. I was like, I don't feel comfortable being up 15 against this Kansas team. Like, I feel like we needed more. And that's exactly what happened. Kansas came out second half and just started throwing haymakers. And we couldn't really get it together. Plus, Armando Baycott wasn't 100%. Let's just let's just be real. Like, he just wasn't 100%. He probably shouldn't even played on Monday. Yeah, he wasn't 100% coming in. And that's the other thing I wanted to ask you guys about. Um, he certainly wasn't 100% after the temporary floor gave out on him. Um, so first I'll hear your thoughts on that, and then I'll give mine, because I have a few. <laughs> um, I've seen the video. Clearly the floor does give a little way there. Um, I don't know how much it contributed to him, you know, twisting the ankle. Clearly it caused him to be off balance, and uh, stepping on a bad plank with a bad ankle, you're asking for a bad situation, but – Honestly, by, by the time that happened, there was 30-something seconds left in the game. I, I don't know how much it affected the end, but... And, and yes, not. as some people are thinking, that is not what lost Carolina the basketball game. Uh, no. Those are the people I like to call Walmart Carolina fans who look for a reason. Um, any kind of reason they can find. And Alex knows what I'm talking about. All of you know what I'm talking about. But, yeah, um, I mean, yeah. It's not. It's not what lost in the game. All the things we just talked about prior to that, yeah, the, the, those were the reasons. Um, did but it, it, we need to at least mention that Kansas? Yes. Can, can we acknowledge? And for a, before we get into the rest of it, for a team that was thought of as the least dominant of the one seeds, a lot of people thought they shouldn't have gotten a one seed. A lot of guys coming in that weren't highly touted draft prospects until, you know, right now um, to perform the way that they did um, in dominating fashion to get there. Um, you dominate a team like Villanova. That's a statement in and of itself as strong as Villanova was all year, despite being a two seed. A lot of people thought the two of them should have been flipped one V two um, that Kansas should have been a two and Villanova should have been a one. Um, if Villanova hadn't have lost in the semifinals of the Big East tournament, they probably would have been. Um, had Kansas not gone on to win the Big 12 tournament. But this is a team with, we saw it. They have tremendous guard play. They were fantastic in the low post. They shoot insane numbers from three-point range. We saw it against Villanova. We saw it again in the second half. Um, they they just have dudes. And it, that's essentially what it came down to, was they have more depth. Yeah. yeah, pretty much, yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead okay. Um, and I think... Part of it is this was the for the most part the same Kansas team, <clears throat> excuse me, that was favored to win it in 2020, and they returned right. most of their people, most of their players from that roster. So I mean, yep. as much as I would love to have been celebrating on Franklin Street, this Kansas team they were gonna be one of they were gonna be hard to beat regardless because they just they were made up. I think they had seven seniors at the very least. It, even if Duke played them, they they were just. They have more depth, and you, yeah, you said seven seniors. They had way more experience. I, I, like these I, kids have been there before. I said last week before we played the Final Four game that uh, I felt like whoever came out of the Carolina Duke game was probably going to lose to Kansas, and they probably should have. They probably wanted Villanova instead. 
yep. because they just matched up better. Bull Nova only runs six or seven kids too, and they just had their top guy get hurt at the end of uh, the Elite Eight game. So right. it would have been a better matchup, but uh, hats off to Kansas, man. Uh, they, they did their thing. it would be interesting to see if they'll even be able to participate next year in the tournament, but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know. But, uh, as I said, they almost have as many national titles as they do level uh, one NCAA violations, which is uh, five, and they now have four national championships. Um, this Kansas that's just how Bill. That's just how Bill Self does things. But you know, this, this Kansas team is not built the same way, and we've noticed this too. There's been like a shift, uh, except for Duke, in terms of the past six or seven years, where Kansas, Kentucky, uh, those places are no longer places for one and done to just automatically go to they're right. still going to duke but now they're starting to spread out like all over and um kansas won this with a, a old school type team and really the past four or five winners have been that way right. uh senior upperclassmen heavy uh not freshman reliance like this team baylor last year the villanova and, team in 16 villanova 16 and 18 carolina in 17 yeah, so I mean, yep. all those teams have that in common. I think that's not going to change going forward. So, and then I mean, even Virginia's title win in uh, twenty nineteen. Yeah, yeah. I think were... I think that's most notable, and that was that was kind of a revenge tour, so to speak, as well. That I think Carolina is going to want to go on, except you know, Virginia lost to a sixteen seed. Um, anyways, I want to say this before we move on to a different topic: the floor thing. Yeah, it's not what lost Carolina in the game. It's still a black eye for the NCAA. And I have said this until I am blue in the face. I absolutely, 100%, I get the concept. You want to get as many people as you can in there for a Final Four game. 70,000 people in Superdome? Yeah, looks cool. Um, This is what happens when you put a temporary floor on a concert stage. Okay, this this is how they do it in these football stadiums, and I've said this all blue in the face. This is not a it's not a good thing. Kids get hurt, huh? So the sight lines are horrible. Like, the sight lines are horrible for shooting. Number one, that's why years ago we would see 49, 47 Final Four games with teams that averaged 80, 90 points a game because they literally cannot see the basket. Number one, let me tell you how they put this court together. And ESPN actually reached out to the court makers for a statement and said, no, court was fine. Court was approved, yada, yada, yada. I saw it. Get, uh, oh, all panels give way at some point. Uh, really? If they're actually based to the floor? Yeah, this no. is not based to a floor. This is a raised court on top of a concert stage. They don't take out turf for this. There's still turf under there somewhere, unlike some stadiums. The Superdome, they can't take out the turf because it's like 50 years old. If they move the turf, they move the whole dome. Like, they move the turf, they're done. Uh, it's not like Phoenix or Las Vegas where all they have to do is slide the field out and slide the field back in. No. They still raise it, but still. Um, it's not how this works. And I've said uh, New Orleans, the Superdome, has hosted more Final Fours than I believe any other city. It's there every, like, four or five years. Um it was just there, 2017. That was yeah. in Carolina one. It was in New Orleans. Yeah. So this happens all the time. It doesn't happen to the magnitude that we see it blow up on social media, but when you have a floor that's not based to anything other than a velvet carpet state or velvet uh concert stage, these things are going to happen. Look at um 
I'm not saying this had anything to do with it, but Kevin Ware's injury, although the court was not in the middle, it was to the side, the court was still to a degree raised. Kevin Ware's injury was in Indianapolis because a lot of times what happens is the city that hosts the Final Four the year before, uh, they'll get a regional. They'll host Sweet 16 and in the lead eight, but they won't put the court in the middle. They'll put the court to the side. That happened with Phoenix in 08, I think. Uh, and it happened with Indianapolis the year before they had it uh, when Kevin Ware got hurt. So the, the, these things do happen. Um, and it's a continued black eye for the NCAA. Like, if you're going to do this, you got to find a better way to do it. Or just don't have it in New Orleans. Have it in a place like Phoenix. Have it somewhere in Las Vegas. Somewhere you can literally move the field without damaging it and put a basketball court in there, be done with it, and get out of there. Yeah, I don't know if they're going to change it. <laughs> just because they had seven. No, I know they won't, but... <laughs> yeah, I mean, they they accomplished what they wanted. You got to think, for two years now, we haven't been able to have full capacity. This is the first legit tournament we've had in two years. And it delivered. It was great. Uh, it did. I'm saying this is a Carolina fan that lost the national championship, but... I don't have any qualms with the the final four portion or the tournament itself at all. I thought that they did a great job. Um, haven't heard anything about outbreaks or, uh, you know, pockets of COVID or something stemming from these people being in New Orleans for a weekend. So it feels like we've finally gotten over the curve. And um, I'm looking forward to next year. The only qualm I really have with this tournament, and that's – it's nothing to do with the uh, organization. There were no buzzer beaters. That's the only call I could really have. With this yeah, tournament. yeah. I mean, this this yeah. was a fantastic tournament. That's the only thing that was missing <laughs> right there. Yeah, you're right. There really wasn't. <clears throat> hmm. Oh, well. Anyways, there was, it was still a, a absolutely fantastic tournament. Um, before we move on to um, – we'll talk about the Los Angeles Lakers, and Dez will painfully do so. Um, as you can see there on Alex Wober's screen um, – He's got the Go M's. Um, I have my St. Louis Cardinals hat, my jersey, my calendar, Albert Pujols and Yadier Molina are behind me in six-inch action figure form. Uh, yes, good job, Alex. Um, let's look at what this opening weekend schedule is going to be like. Um, I believe we have some games in progress as we speak. Yes, Red Sox-Yankees is in progress. Shout out, Christian, the Red Sox fan. Um, White Sox-Tigers. Brewers, Cubs. Remember, Red Sox, Yankees was rained out yesterday, uh, so that they're making that one up today. Um, right, White Sox, Tigers going on right now. Brewers, Cubs going on right now. A's, Phillies going on. Orioles, Rays. Dodgers, Rockies. Mariners, Twins. Marlins, Giants just began. Remember, these are all the teams that did not play yesterday that are opening today uh, on April the eighth. Uh, got some more games coming tonight. Mets, Nats. Um, Remember, that one will be on Apple TV Plus uh, for the first time ever. Um, they've got a deal for exclusive Friday night games this year. Uh, Rangers, Blue Jays, Reds, Braves, which a lot of people here will have eyes on. Braves uh, ring and banner raising night. They'll wear the uh, uniforms with the gold trim around the lettering and the logoing, um, as World Series champions do. Astros, Angels, and then Padres, D-backs. Padres, who uh, just made uh, two pretty big trades. They got Sean Manaya from the A's, and then they shipped another really good pitcher in Chris Paddock uh, to the Twins for uh, Taylor Rogers. So, um, two um, really good pitching swaps there. But uh, Red Sox Yankees on opening weekend is just that's just a cool thing to have. 
Uh, you have uh, the Braves with their uh, World Series celebration. Um, they didn't really get to celebrate it until they got home because they won it in Houston. Um, you've got a new-look Braves team. Um, the whole thing with Ronald Acuna apparently saying he wasn't going to miss Freddie Freeman. Um, he went on an Instagram Live, in case you missed it, Wednesday night um, with a Spanish reporter. Uh, had a pretty candid Spanish-only conversation. And according to multiple people who have translated it, he said something to the degrees of, I'm not going to miss Freddie Freeman. He did not treat me as well as I thought he would. Um, I was not a fan of the rookie hazing things that I went through, um, that a lot of which were precipitated by Freddie Freeman as a veteran. Um, Freddie didn't back me up the times that the Marlins intentionally hit me time and time and time again. Um, other guys did. He didn't. I noticed that. Um, uh, Ronald Acuna replied to the tweet with that transcript and said, I never said any of this, uh, but I've seen the clip explicitly translated word for word by people uh, on Twitter that are renowned Spanish English to, or Spanish to English translators that have said, yeah, he said all of those things. These are translated correctly. So there's some controversy there. Acuna's coming back from, from the uh, the ACL injury. Matt Olson replaces Freeman at first base. Um, for the most part, everybody else is coming back other than Jocktober Peterson and uh, Solaire Power, who stays in the NL East, uh, but he's in uh, Miami, Sands, uh, Derek Jeter now at the helm there. But uh, I want to say this before we go to break. There is a tremendous amount of young talent right now in the game of baseball, and we've we've discussed this. Who are the faces of baseball right now? Who are they going to be? We know Shohei. We know Mike Trout, Bryce Harper, etc. There are maybe the top five prospects in all of minor league baseball coming into the season have made their major league rosters. Spencer Torkelson of the Detroit Tigers, who's consistently been the number two prospect in baseball. Um, he makes the Tigers opening day roster. Uh, behind Bobby Witt Jr., who's consistently been the number one prospect in baseball. He makes the Kansas City Royals opening day roster. Uh, Julio Rodriguez um, of the Seattle Mariners, uh, who Alex is fond of. Uh, he makes their opening day roster. So there's the top three prospects in baseball make their opening day roster. And keep in mind, Wander Franco uh, did not play a full season last year. So he was not eligible for Rookie of the Year. He will be this year. So he's included uh, with those other three guys. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll discuss the Lakers. Is it the biggest failure in NBA history? And we'll also discuss the Masters underway at Augusta round two as we speak. Uh, what Tigers' sheer presence might bring uh, to the aura around Augusta this weekend. You are listening to The Score with Brett Wiseman on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. One stop number six, located just one mile west of East Forsyth at 2748 West Mountain Street, Kernersville. A proud supporter of East Forsyth since 1983, serving fresh fried chicken and our famous taters seven days a week from 6 a.m. to 10 p.m. For a limited time, grab our Wife Saver family meal for only $13.99. Eight pieces of chicken and sides for four for just $13.99. One stop. Come see us at 2748 West Mountain Street in Kernersville. 
Ideacom NC, a trusted telecommunications company with 60 years of experience in unified communications. Ideacom is about more than just phone systems. They provide a full range of communication solutions. Whether your business is big or small, from churches to schools to fire departments, depend on the best in cabling, phone systems, IT support, and more from Ideacom of Central North Carolina. Top-rated customer service that cares about your business needs. Check out all the host of solutions at ideacomnc.com or call at 336-854-4455. Ideacom NC. Find your next car at Auto Store of North Carolina in Walkertown. Their goal is to make car shopping and car buying experience fast, friendly, and easy. They have helped hundreds of customers get behind the wheel of a newer, reliable, quality used car, and they could help you too. Stop by and speak with one of their sales professionals today and drive away with your new car. The Auto Store of North Carolina, 4964 Reedsville Road in Walkertown. Give them a call at 336-595-8550 and view the current inventory of vehicles at autostoreofnc.com. Carolina Cobras. If I take that field, if I take that field, if my game starts to slide, if my game starts to slide, I have no fear. I have no fear. If my brother got my car, my brother got my Catch them all season long. That's all we got. That's all we got. On your home for triad sports. Oh, are we right? Are we right? TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com Mailor Family Chiropractic and Acupuncture, located at 205 North Cherry Street in Kernersville, is your family chiropractor. Dr. Mailor's goal is to treat and correct the underlying cause of patient symptoms to alleviate pain and to restore balance. Mailer Chiropractic treats pain, sports injuries, injuries from auto accidents, and much more. Start performing to the best of your ability pain-free. Give them a call and set your appointment today at 336-996-3737. Mailer Chiropractic in Kernersville. Franchise players. Welcome back. Sports Channel 8's Ben Swain. How you doing, man? I love that you guys are doing what you're doing. I love that we're doing what what we're doing because the local sports fan is really underserved in uh, in, in sports radio here in in North Carolina. Being able to, Monday morning after the New Carolina game, being able to listen to local guys talk about the local game. Franchise plays every Friday afternoon at 5 p.m. on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com and at 6 p.m. on WCOG 1320 a.m. and WTOB 988. Welcome back to The Score with Brett Wiseman here on TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. We're back here on The Score with Brett Wiseman on Tobacco Road Sports Radio, TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com. Brett Wiseman joined by Christian Emery, our producer at Esmond Johnson. Before we get into the Los Angeles Lakers, speaking of failures, uh, the Buffalo Sabres have now set an NHL record that they might not be so proud of. They've now missed the playoffs for the 11th consecutive season, the longest streak of any franchise in the entire history, uh, now 106 years, I believe, um, of the National Hockey League. So congratulations, Buffalo if you bring back that black and silver buffalo looking thing, you. you might actually not suck, but yeah. I don't know. Um, 
Wait, so send out send out famous play-by-play man Rick Genero by missing the playoffs for a record 11 straight year. Congratulations. Okay, so they broke Carolina's record of missing it for 10 straight years. Correct. So yes. congratulations, <laughs> you're off the hook. Um, Des, your Los Angeles Lakers. Sir, where do we start? Here's where we start. LeBron James tweet. After all the offseason moves were made, you get Westbrook, get Carmelo Anthony, da-da-da. Stop talking about my squad. Don't talk about my our ages. Like, we're going to prove you wrong, yada-yada. Guess what? Old Takes Exposed has gotten you. That has now frozen ice cold. It has not aged well at all. And if anything, LeBron might be partially to blame for all of this. I wouldn't say partially. I would say he has a lot to blame for this because him and AD are the ones that kind of pushed to bring Westbrook here or here to LA. And uh, the team is just constructed funny. I don't understand if you sign LeBron and AD to be your core, why would Rob Polinka and others think that you can just put one year contracts around them and they can win an NBA title? Like they should have kept the core that was in the bubble that, that yep. won the title for them that had a mix of old vets young vets on decent contracts and they let them all go now some of them rajan rondo was on a very friendly deal um as were stayed. a lot of other guys so he would have stayed in la like i mean they 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 are missing that and they're missing the defense that that squad had with dwight howard and javel mcgee rondo uh and they decided to go for dudes that were known for their offense but not known so much for defense and play like carmelo anthony Russell Westbrook, Malik Monk. Uh, it's it just the, the team is not constructed right, and Anthony Davis hasn't been available. That's the main thing. He just hasn't been playing. If he's playing and healthy, he's a top 10 guy in the league. You don't have him. All you have is a 37-year-old LeBron James. It's, to be honest, stat padding. Um, that's what it felt like he's been doing the past month. So, I don't know. I just kind of threw my hands up with the Lakers. I'm happy my Hornets are uh, relevant. You know what I mean? Like, it'll give me something to look at, at least the first week of the playoffs. But uh, this Laker team didn't deserve to go to the playoffs. They're, they are, they're 20 games under 500. Like, it, I'm surprised that we're actually talking about the Lakers. If it was anybody else but the Lakers, they wouldn't get this type of... They know, wouldn't be relevant in this right, discussion. Because yeah. we're sitting here talking about the Brooklyn Nets getting out of the East. I'm like, the Brooklyn Nets are like the ninth seed and have yeah. not played well all year, yet all of a sudden we there's people thinking, oh... The Hornets have the tiebreaker open for the eighth seed right now, so... Right. So I, I don't understand this logic that they think these teams can just turn it on. They can't. <laughs> we've been waiting for the Lakers to do it all we're, year. We've got, we've got three days left in the regular season, total, uh, because, you know, a lot of times the NBA and the NHL overlap in terms of when the playoffs start. That ain't happening. Uh, the NBA playoffs start on Easter Sunday, which is in nine days. Um, the regular season ends this Sunday because there was no scheduled Olympic break for the NHL. So we still got two, two and a half weeks for, for them to be done. So um, the Hornets finish up Sunday afternoon against Washington, I believe. Um, but uh, two an all too important one against Chicago. Uh, they faltered against Miami the other night. I don't think enough people are talking about the Miami Heat. Um, but I will say this about the Los Angeles Lakers. I knew this was going to be a struggle from the start because, like you said, Des, they just threw a bunch of hodgepodge over the hill um, has-beens, so to speak, uh, together with a bunch of young guys that can't play defense. <clears throat> Malik Monk. We know how that guy plays, right? 
um, which is why James Borrego did not play him as much as he did and why Malik Monk got mad about it because the kid doesn't play defense. He doesn't care. Yeah. He only I mean, cares about scoring. This isn't new. If you look at the teams that have been constructed around LeBron James since he left Cleveland the first time, it's usually him as a part of a big three of some sorts and a bunch yep. of role players that basically yep. have to stand around and wait to catch and shoot. Uh, yep. LeBron doesn't really have – people want to call him this playmaker, but really he mainly just sits in ISO and dribbles and then just lowers his head and, and either yep. goes to the bucket or he takes a step back and shoots a three. That's pretty much the entire bag that he has right now. Now, is he good at both? Yeah, but that's not – there's four other dudes just standing there watching him for 15 seconds while that's going on. And that's not winning basketball. He's gotten four rings off of it, but this team was never going to be able to Well, you, you look at the teams that he had in Miami, the guys that you said, catch-and-shoot guys. Ray Allen, probably the greatest three-point shooter of all time, not named Steph Curry. Uh, Mike Miller. Um, who else got? Shane Battier. Um, he had guys. Yeah. yeah, he had guys he could throw it down low to, too. He had Haslam. Uh, he had the Birdman, Chris Anderson, who he also had in Cleveland. Um, he had a lot of uh, good shooters in Cleveland too. Chris Bosh. Um, you look at who he had the second go around with Cleveland. He had uh, J.R. Smith as a knockdown shooter. Um, he's had people around him. Malik Monk was not going to be that guy for an entire season. Okay, I'm sorry. There's he a gap wasn't. between the the vets in terms of age and the younger guys on this team too. There's a huge there's too big gap. a gap. Yeah, there so is too big like, a gap. I've heard stories where like the vets have been basically just you know, hounding the the younger guys on this team where they're afraid to do anything out of fear of making a mistake. Uh, Russell Westbrook's having a down year compared to his standards. He never fully fit in. Um, honestly, they should have got DeMar DeRozan instead of yep. Westbrook. I agree. Um, because they could have stayed afloat with DeRozan and LeBron while AD was out, and yep. he would have been a better fit. Uh, mid-range shooter, good defender from L.A., they just fell in love with the idea of bringing Westbrook in, and I did too for about the first week. And then you just kind of look at it like this puzzle doesn't fit. I, I knew from the start it wasn't it wasn't going to be a, a good fit because if anything, Russell Westbrook plays a similar style to LeBron James, just on 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 a shorter, you know, stockier frame. A lot of times, Russell, as you said, with LeBron, um, he'll ISO out top, put his head down try to run people over or put his head down and, and shoot a step back or fade away over somebody or shoot a floater, whatever it is. Russell Westbrook uses his frame and his size just like LeBron James does when he puts his head down and tries to bowl people over. Am, am I wrong here? I mean, that they play two fairly similar styles, just LeBron's six inches taller than Russell Westbrook. So if anything, you just had LeBron in point guard form. In my in my mind, he has to have the ball in his hand. Like LeBron can't. That's why the first year in Miami had stumbling blocks because Dwayne Wade was used to having the ball in his hand, and yep. he didn't realize till the end of the year that LeBron has to have the ball in his hand in order to function properly, and that's part of the problem. Like he can't play without the ball in his hand. He's not like a Steph that can run around and then catch it and shoot. He has to do it himself, and eventually he's not going to be able to do that anymore. Actually, we're starting. Well, I can't say we're starting we're, to see it now, but we are seeing it now. I mean, eventually, I just don't understand the Lakers' logic here. Like, you know you have LeBron for four years when you first bring him in, and they did everything possible the first two years to figure out how to get Anthony Davis. They finally do that. You lock them both up to some extensions, and the very next thing should be, 
okay, we need to, uh, Magic Johnson said it best actually two days ago, instead of doing it year to year, you're supposed to do it like in three, four year blocks. Like how good are we this year? How good will we be next year and the year following? And you, you sign based off of that. You sign three year deals, four year deals with guys. You don't do little one year deals with Malik Monk and these others and have to go through all this all over again next summer. And you don't have any wiggle room to do anything if you mess up. They, Russell Westbrook has the biggest contract in the league next year. It'll be $47 million that the Lakers have to pay this guy. Um, no one's going to take that deal. Well, we've said that twice before. And yeah. <laughs> teams have taken that same extension off of people's hands. So you never know. But he's running out of places to go. So Just like James Harden. He's, he's running out of places to go. Yeah, so. if, he, if he didn't work in Philly, I don't know where he's supposed to go. So Yeah, there's, there's that. Um, by the way, in case you missed it, Hornets have clinched a spot um, in the play-in. Um, vitally important for them, as I remind you all, to get the eight seed, which they do have the tiebreaker over Brooklyn four, because as the eight seed, you are guaranteed one home game uh, in the play-in tournament. If you are nine or ten, as we saw last year where they ended up in Indianapolis to play the Pacers in the first game as the ten seed, um, you do not get a home game, period. As the eight seed, you're guaranteed at least one home game if you win the first game. Six and seven, you're guaranteed, or seven seed, you're guaranteed two home games. So, um, very quickly here, while we have some more time, uh, the Masters, as we know, are underway, tradition unlike any other. Um, Augusta back to full capacity after it was delayed in spring of 2020. Um, and it came back in November, and it was limited capacity last spring. First legit Masters uh, we've had in quite a while. Good to see that happening. But uh, Tiger Woods is there. Uh, first major tournament he's played in since his uh, infamous car crash. Um, Tiger has been quoted as saying he believes he can win it. Um, he won it in 2019 when a lot of people thought he was done. Um, a lot of people really think he's done now. Um, if anything, and I want to ask you guys this, I think his sheer presence ups the ante of everyone else at Augusta. It, you know, whether he or Roy McIlroy or, or one of the other stars of the PGA Tour is there or not there at any tournament, it, it either ups or, or it downplays the level of competition of everyone else. When you're talking about arguably the greatest of all time here, walking in after he's been on the shelf for months on end and saying, yeah, I think I can win the tournament. That perks up everybody else's ears. That perks up, you know, Bryson DeChambeau. That perks up everybody else that feels like they came into this thing as a favorite. And they then feel like they have something to prove. Yeah, I would agree with that. And um, it definitely ups the visibility of the Masters. Like, I had zero plans to watch it at all, but if Tiger right. makes cut, I'll watch some of it this weekend. Um, I don't think he has a... I don't think he's going to win another major. Uh, people forget how severe that car crash was. He almost lost his yep. leg. It sounds yep. like his right leg was completely shattered. Uh, it so was. He's on a metal rod, pretty much. I don't think... They had to do a lot. I think 16 or 18 hours of surgery just to, to save his leg. So... Yeah. Um, uh, and that's, that's, that's a leg that he's had trouble with in the past. Remember he won, uh, was it, I believe the U S open at Pebble beach, um, in 2008 on a torn ACL. And that was the same leg that he yeah. injured in the car crash. So not only yeah. he had ligament damage already, but yeah, then he shattered it. 
it's asking too much to assume that he can just hop back out there and win just because he was Tiger Woods. You know, like yeah. I've heard that take this week. Where yeah. It's like, uh, well, it's Tiger Woods. Not, I'm I am. Not <laughs> even Tiger Woods is superhuman. Like, right. People forget, you said it, people forget how severe that incident was. And he wasn't playing that great before that, to be honest. Nope. Like, yeah, you won the Masters in 2019, but before that, we were starting to see the decline of Tiger Woods in terms of his skill level. We're supposed to assume now that he magically got it back like a Marvel superhero, and he's going to be able to go out here like it's 1997, and he's 47 years old. Like, he, I don't think he'll win the Masters. He might win another major before he's done. I'll never say never with that, but this first one back, if he does win it, that's going to be the biggest story in sports. But I can't imagine Tiger hopping out there for the first time and having to walk 72 holes and win uh, the Masters this weekend. I, it just seems far-fetched to me. Yeah, I see it as kind of a kind of a <clears throat> sorry, a feel good a feel good story about it. But like I said, I don't think that he this shortly removed from what that what all that accident entailed. I don't I just I can't see him holding up for 72 holes and it would be a great story but I don't see I don't think he can can he contend yes but I don't think he could like he'll be able to pull it together for 72. I I think he'll make it to Sunday um and still be competitive. Um I think when we get past today or get uh, after Saturday he'll kind of be out of it but again he'll make it to Sunday in in probably the top 10 um but he he's going to make the cut um I don't think we're in danger of him missing the cut here but um yeah you said it does it it not only ups the ante it ups the the visibility of the entire tournament so if, if anybody's happy about this the happiest people on the planet are, are the executives at CBS because they're going to get a lot more views than they thought they were going to uh, going into this. And uh, Jim Nance had to, you know, bust it over there from New Orleans so he can use his quiet voice. Um, that'll do it for us uh, today here on The Score. For Christian Emery, Alex Wober, our producer Desmond Johnson, see you later. Be safe. Baseball's back. We can all be happy about that. TRSR Triad Hot Deals, the top deals on sports tickets, dining, and fun in the triad. Visit trsrtriadhotdeals.com right now and sign up to get the best area deals in the triad every week. Powered by Tobacco Road Sports Radio and SportsCarolinaMonthly.com. This month, save big on Carolina Cobra's season tickets. Go to seven home games this season for only $45. That's an $80 value. Buy your 2022 season ticket package now with this exclusive deal from Triad Hot Deals. Visit trsrtriadhotdeals.com. Visit the sports tab and secure your package. Limited number available. That's trsrtriadhotdeals.com. We love sports. Joe Lewis, the greatest boxer ever lived. Not only do we love sports... But we love to debate sports. He was bad in Captain Clay. He bad in Sugar Ray. He bad in that. Who that's you? The new boy. Mike Tyson Mike, look like a bulldog. He bad in him too. He done whip Mike Tyson there. He whip all that. For the best sports analysis in the triad. What about the 
Rossi Marciano. In-depth local coverage of your favorite schools and teams. Let me tell you something wonderful. Rockin' my battle good. Fuck the bad Joe Lewis. Rockin' my battle And of course, the best sports debate in the triad. It's Joe Lewis's ass. Welcome to Tobacco Road Sports Radio. Joe Lewis is 75 years old when he fought. You're welcome. This is Coach Rez, head coach of your Carolina Cobras arena football team. You're listening to TobaccoRoadSportsRadio.com, your home for triad sports. And you know this, man. 